from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, October 11th, 2013, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your interim podcast host, Chad Michael Snavely, and this week's show is brought to you by our friends at Warby Parker. Uh, Warby Parker is a great glasses company. They offer a great and easy way to buy prescription glasses and sunglasses online. They start at just 95 bucks, and that includes prescription lenses. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why in the world would I want to buy glasses online? Well, check it out. Warby Parker has a home try-on program. You pick out five frames, they're shipped to you for free. You can try them on, show your friends, find out which pair looks best, send all the frames back, and then you can order online. Uh, And the cool thing with Warby Parker is for that every pair that you buy, they donate a pair to those in need. So you can feel good about helping someone out who has your exact same who prescription. Who has your exact same prescription. <laughs> right. uh, for listeners of this podcast, Warby Parker is offering free expedited two-day shipping on the final purchase. When you visit warbyparker.com for the home try-on program, uh, when you're ready to purchase your favorite glasses, just enter promo code RELEVANT during that final checkout. Again, the promo code is relevant. Should be pretty easy to remember. I wear Warby Parkers. You wear Warby Parkers. Tyler wears Warby Parkers. The only way I can see you and read this license. That's right. So they are a great, great company. We're huge fans and uh, very thankful to Warby Parker for sponsoring this week's show. I was super skeptical of the uh, online buying experience. I was too. But once I've done it, I've realized I'm never setting foot inside a brick and mortar glasses (laughs) shop. Because you always have like the weird guy coming up with terrible fashion sense that's trying to help you pick out frames. And you're like... I think you, you, we're I think getting unsubscribed right now by a lot of glasses yeah. <laughs> that just play this yeah. over the speakers. At Vision Works just said <laughs> just no said, thank you. Forget about it. So, anyway, it's awesome. I love yeah. Warby it is. It, the, the guy at Vision Works is looking at his square-toed dress shoes and, <laughs> and boot-cut jeans going, unfashionable. Unfa- How could unfollow. you? Unfollow. <laughs> Who is this guy? Unfashionable. Unfollow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you wearing? Hot shot? <laughs> Well, here in the Orlando studio with me is uh, is a man who is uh, very fashion forward because he's wearing the exact same shirt that I am today. <laughs> Mr. Eddie Koffold. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Eddie, walk- Eddie walked in and, and uh, we have the exact same shirt on. So yeah. We um, can't do that, so I'm going to go no shirt for the rest yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> Eddie, just, Eddie, no shirt. Yep. Now they're both shirtless. Yep, just my tribal tattoo and the computer. That's all I got. <laughs> just my full upper body tribal tattoo. Yeah. We're, wearing a denim shirt, I assume, from Nashville, Tennessee. That's that's Tyler Huckabee. Hey guys, I'm not wearing anything. <laughs> Classic Tyler. Classic Tyler. And from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Just rocking the overalls <laughs> and a beard. We were. I was surprised at this because yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the I saw the one and only post you did from Catalyst. I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun to kind yeah. of follow Jesse. We, we and it was one <laughs> stupid tweet of we you riding around in a, in a shopping. Cart. I didn't even tweet. I, I didn't even know that was gonna be tweeted. We sa- okay, so, so here's what happened. We sent Jesse to Catalyst to get some hard hitting journalistic interviews for the rest oh of the year of podcasts. <laughs> and and uh, about eleven o'clock one night, I get a text message from Jeff, and it's a video of Jesse driving. 
carrying a cart around Walmart <laughs> so that explicitly says for employees only. Yeah. So naturally, I post it on the you know from the relevant Twitter and put it on the relevant <laughs> so podcast funny. page, and then the comments start just pouring in, right. both from people like yeah, I would expect nothing less from Jesse, to people saying that you look like a lady with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that comment. Well, I think that just to explain it, I think you look like a lady. That has a beard, just to break it down for you, <laughs> like a think, female yeah. with a large beard. Right, right. I think that's kind of what we're, I think that's so, what the comment meant. Yeah. So yeah, so we, so that. we're at Catalyst. Which should I talk about Catalyst for? Yeah, a yeah. Let, yeah. Tell us how your time was. Dare you? It was it was really great time. Uh, we got to meet a lot of cool uh, people. We I got to do a bunch of interviews that listeners will be hearing. I'm assuming we'll be hearing on the podcast yeah. throughout the next you know few weeks or or, or so with a, a lot of uh, interesting people involved and interesting things. Uh, also got to uh, you know meet some cool folks who who you know we've covered and, and we and who's done advertising with and it, it, Catalyst is an awesome experience and there it's a convergence of a lot of like-minded people and uh, I got to meet and uh, talk to a bunch of different podcast listeners who oh, hit me up on Twitter sweet, while I was right? out there so oh, that cool. was very cool yeah do you feel like you exceed or meet or under whatever the underwhelm underwhelm oh, very much underwhelm <laughs> yeah i f- i have that fear too i've never actually met anybody that listens to the podcast i mean like i've had friends that listen to it and stuff right. but i've never met somebody that's like hey or, but i i know that when i meet them it's just gonna be like oh you're kind of quiet yeah and a little weird yeah i, I always i always hmm. feel like there there are expectations to say something really funny like right on the on the spot and, and you know they're expecting you to say some just brilliant nugget of wisdom that would end up like at the, as the closing bit of the podcast. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I always have a couple in the holster, which I probably should at events. <laughs> right. Do they, <laughs> right? Like a slice that you just bring out of your wallet? Yeah. yeah. So, so talk about something interesting. Well, did you, out in Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. And, and uh, you're like, the guy comes up to you and he's like, hey, I'm, or, you know, Damon rides bikes. And you're like, hello, hello. And you do the whole thing. And we'll yeah, yeah, him. exactly. No, no, but it is cool. I, I enjoy meeting them. And I, I enjoy uh, hearing about where they're from, and you know, it, it's always a fun experience, especially at Catalyst. Like I said, there's a yeah. lot of people there who are familiar with the work we do, so that was very cool. And I appreciate everyone who who hit me up and, and said hi. That's cool. Hopefully, there I will just say there's 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 talks floating around. There's ideas in the hopper like that this. we might we might consider doing a live podcast from Catalyst next year. No. Oh, that'd be oh awesome! My gosh. Where we would bring in our fans, they could maybe watch us record a podcast, maybe uh, bring in some guests, you know, uh, cool, have them man. sit in with us. There, I'm just saying, it's not, you know, there's nothing concrete right now, but there is a chance that something like that might happen. Doing in the this, future. doing this in front of actual people would oh, be a thousand. Terrible terrifying oh i think it would be a thousand times more fun because right now i'm having to i imagine people like laughing along and tracking (laughs) but pretty much it's just you and me in a little quiet room (laughs) wearing the same darn shirt (laughs) and then two of these guys on a telephone in my ear you sure you're not being too generous offering people to watch us record the podcast you know that's a really funny point because they may just be like oh this is terrible and i think that could be right (laughs) is there any joy more pure than just seeing people talk to each other (laughs) that's a great point man we should never do this guy See, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like what will we do because of the lack of editing yeah no first. that's what that's what you i'm can't afraid say something live right right and that and that is one of the reasons that we've never done a live a live show we've never done a video <laughs> podcast for that matter because there would be way too much editing that would take place 
Um, but we so it like is a little terrifying. I think we'd be pretty good at editing ourselves. Like right now, we know it's going to be edited, so the wheels can just go off the wagon, and I yeah. don't even try. Yeah, I don't even try to get anything back. <laughs> I, I I purposely try to make Chad's life as difficult as possible. <laughs> right. well, mission accomplished. <laughs> right, just twenty minutes of obscenities, but I whisper them into the microphone. So I've got to find a creative really- way to edit them out. <laughs> Listeners may not realize this, but I've. I've read I've read the entirety of Les Mis so far this podcast and we're gonna have to cut it out. <laughs> it's very You're like the uh, Andy the, Kaufman of podcasts, yeah, or the uh, what's his name? Nel- not Nelson Cruz, uh, Nelson Mandela, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. That's yeah, it. You fill a bus. Yeah, the you're the Ted Cruz of podcasting. You are the Craig T. Nelson you're, of. You're podcasting. not the first person to say that, and you won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny how I thought this would translate well to a stage until I actually thought about yeah. it. And then it was, oh, no, no. No, that'd be will, terrible. Everybody will be super disappointed. <laughs> Except for my family. Yeah, that'll be front row. <laughs> Daddy's so cool. Dada, funny microphone. Dada. <laughs> my mom will love it. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom will come to Catalyst for it. Oh, um, man. Well, guys, let me tell you, we got a great show today. We have a, a really great show today because coming up, we have... A live in-studio performance from Phil Wickham. Cool. Yeah, he came by the uh, Relevant Studio a few about a month ago and played us a couple songs off of his new album called The Ascension. And so we are going to have a couple of those performances on the podcast. And if that weren't enough, Eddie sits down with a really fascinating individual, Jeremy Courtney from Preemptive Love Coalition. Oh. And uh, we have a conversation with uh, uh, between Eddie and Jeremy Courtney. That's coming up later, too. I'm going to say it a million times, but the book that he came out with yeah. called Preemptive Love is an unbelievable read. I mean, it's just, it is really great. And he is such a good man. I was honored to talk to him. He really is. <clears throat> so, cool. so stay tuned. That's coming up. But up first, we have your entertainment releases music coming out on Tuesday, October 15th. The Avet Brothers oh. is coming out with Magpie and the Dandelion. Very excited for that. Listen, Tyler, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Avet Brothers. Are they are they fa- are they falling did, into the? Mum- yeah, did you put them in the category with like Mumford and Louveniers as yeah, yeah. as as a trend that you'd like to see go no, away? Here's here's what I should say about this, and, and this might get edited, edited out too. Um, <laughs> it, this will likely be edited out because it's pretty mean. <laughs> well, last time I expressed my feelings about Avet Brothers over Twitter. Cameron called me and asked me to take the tweet down. No. <laughs> so oh, no I'm just going to say I love the Avet Brothers. That's incredible. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and, and the reason is because the Avet Brothers were on the cover of our magazine. We had them on the too. cover of the magazine. So, uh, so Tyler's favorite band, the Avet Brothers, is coming out with Magpie <laughs> and the Dandelion. Uh, so here's here's an honest here's my honest review of Avett Brothers. I would say every album of theirs there are I, I would say there are probably two or three songs that I absolutely love. I can, I'm with you on that. Did you did you like the the big I and Love and You more or less than the stuff before it? I think more. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a great little little pop song. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. Crystal Antlers is coming out with Nothing Is Real. The band Cults, not an actual cult, just the band Cults, is coming out with Static. They should be more careful then. Yeah, the head, and, the head and the heart is coming out with Let's Be Still. Paul McCartney is coming out with an album called New. Paul McCartney, the, the, irony. the, the irony. Have you Who heard? He? Yeah, he's um, he's, he's been around for a little bit. He was Man. in a, 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 a smaller indie band when he first. Maybe started. you heard of them? They're called Wings. <laughs> Good one. I really, you know what I like about Paul McCartney, and we'll say though, he continues to churn out albums. Yeah. Like, there's something he could just, <laughs> whether they're good or not. No, yeah, but I, I was gonna say, <laughs> no, no, no. They happen to be still producing things. <laughs> no, but like they happen to be really good. Flaming Pie was a really good album. Like he still yeah. does really good music. But you know, some of these guys that. 
Dead are just <laughs> legends, just kind oh. of rest on the greatest hits. I think Stop that's it. what people say about the podcast. Well, they just keep churning them out. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, I'll, t- I'll say this about those relevant podcasts. They come out every week. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of continuously churning out music, Pearl Jam is coming out with Lightning Bolt. Yeah. There's your, there's your guys who turn out albums. Streaming Ooh. live now, right? On iTunes. On iTunes, yeah. It is. Yeah, I believe it is. One more album to tell you about. I am a huge fan of this guy. He is a hip-hop artist. Uh, Shad is coming out with Flying Colors. Um, man, this guy is I just... I think you mean Chad. No, it's not me, guys. I, I know that... That I you know completely brought it with the DC Talk rap you know Eddie and I brought that a couple weeks ago. I've been thinking about it since I heard it. And most people have. Been, I'm waiting for you to bust out another rhyme. I'm, I'm not ready. going to. I'm not going to. I'm ready. The the, the spotlight belongs to Shad this week. Uh, Flying colors. <laughs> such a such a cool guy. Um, he's we've uh, included some of his music on our relevant compilation albums before. Um, he's a Christian guy. He makes really really legit hip hop music. Neat. So uh, go check out Shad. It's S H A D Shad. The new album is called Flying Colors. That comes out Tuesday, October fifteenth. Uh, movie releases Friday, October eighteenth. Uh, we have an Oscar early Oscar contender, Twelve Years a Slave, uh, featuring Michael Fassbender, Brad Pitt, Tyler. What is uh, what is the name of the uh, the main guy? Uh, his name is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Okay, wow. You actually went to a screening of this movie in New York. I, I actually met him. Um, you met we, him. They, we, uh, the film studio was nice enough to fly us out there, and uh, we got to sit down with some of the stars. It was a great time, and. And I've told a few people this. I would say best movie I've seen in the past five years. Wow. Wow. And I, and I stand by that. One more movie to tell you about. Uh, also an Oscar contender. Escape Plan with Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Jim Caviezel. You don't even need to, to, to add Jim Caviezel in there. Because really, it's Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Anyone else in the movie is just ancillary. Yeah. You know? Who would have ever thought that Jesus would be in a movie yeah. with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Passion of the Elderly. <laughs> hey, they, those dudes may be elderly, but they are still terrifying. Yeah. Their, their physiques are terrifying. They may be older, but they can still make awful movies. Stallone and Schwarzenegger are both approaching 70. And both of them have better physiques than anyone on this podcast, I would argue. Yeah, no. I you would, and I, I have not met in person. Yeah, but you're right. But you're often mistaken for Sylvester, for a young Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> just the name of this film alone, Escape Plan, with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. I mean, Jesse, I just spitball here, Jesse, for a second. Give us a, a quick pitch of what you think this movie might be about. It, it, it's just it, it's putting those two dudes in any situation and watching them just blast their way out with. Yeah. Biceps and machine guns. Yeah, <laughs> locked inside of a bank safe. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Yeah. Let's just blast our. Yeah, it's just a montage. There's no each scene. There's no setup or context. Yeah, it's, they're just in another like they're underwater in a shark infested reef. Right. <laughs> Watch them get out with biceps and machine guns. They're in an orphanage on the moon. How do yeah, we get out watch of here? Get out. We escape plan. We got to blast our way out. <laughs> With explosives. I mean, they have explosives at hand. Yeah, they just punch things and they explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have exploding punches. There's very little conflict and even less dialogue. Oh, the movie's almost entirely dialogue free, free except for Schwarzenegger grunting. Yeah. I think one time Schwarzenegger warns people that the bridge is out, you idiots. <laughs> Get, down. Get down! The bridge is out, you idiots! Get down! <laughs> oh, so so if uh, if you find yourself not in the mood for 12 Years a Slave, uh, you can go to the other end of the spectrum and see Escape Plan. Yeah, if you're Friday, not October in, 18th. In, in the mood to have your, 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 your mind, your, in your morality, and your soul 
stimulated. Right. Go over to the escape plane and just get super pumped up. Yeah. Just- Fuckers of Slave is really about slavery in America. So so that's, I mean, it's for people who are interested in, in that. An escape plan is, I, I haven't seen it. It may also be about slavery in America. <laughs> we weren't invited to the screener. Yeah, it probably is. If they had thought to invite us, we would know. Oh, but and we would have been there, yeah. Gosh, we would have been there. All right, well, that'll do it for entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Slices. of this week's podcast are brought to you by One Life. One Life is challenging relevant podcast listeners to take this week's challenge. The challenge is to provide clean water access for thousands of people by repairing 500 broken water pump handles. Your donation of 10 bucks will replace a broken water pump handle in one of 1,200 villages in India. Head over to the podcast page to learn how you can get involved. You're listening to Trent Muller. The song is River of Life featuring Ghost Society. It's from the new album, Lost. It's a really, really good album. Go check that out. At the beginning of the podcast, you know that sound, man. You're going to be hearing a lot more of it, too. You Holiday heard, season. You heard Sleigh Bells with the song Christmas Time is Here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Sleigh Bells with the song <laughs> Mini. It's from that brand new album called Bitter Rivals. Go check it out. All right, it's time for Slices. Jesse, what do you got, man? Okay, uh, I, I love this slice for, uh, for so many reasons. <laughs> our, our very favorite actor, Nicolas Cage, oh, the star absolutely. of the upcoming film Left Behind and other uh, works of Art. cinematic legend like <laughs> National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Face something. Face, Face off. off. Yeah, fa- yeah. The Rock. Uh, yeah, any number of films that you know and love. Right. Add a word, ruin a Nick Cage movie. That's Tyler, <laughs> will you get that started? You have the internet clout to do that. I don't think you can ruin a Nick Cage movie, especially not <laughs> with just one word. It might be like hashtag add a Nick Cage and prove a movie. Oh, uh, you're so hurtful. That might be the new tag. Why would you say that about Nicky? Uh, so Nick Cage was recently honored at, at a... At a big movie festival called the Global Talents Art Media Event in China. And he was bestowed with the title of Best Global Actor in Motion Pictures. What? Finally. I a little bit could see that. I time. I mean, he does have global appeal. I absolutely can see that. Yeah, I can see He appeals to all humanity. He does. does. My favorite thing about this event, (laughs) uh, you know, there's not a lot of information about it. Variety said that the event is an event that happens in China multiple times throughout the year. Awesome. That honors that honors <laughs> random people in entertainment and, uh, and and the sporting world. Now, all of these people that were honored actually went to the red carpet. So there's picture of Nick Cage accepting his 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 prestigious trophy right. for best global actor in motion pictures. And you know, mind you, Nicolas Cage hasn't released a major movie. Uh, recently, no. you know, I mean, he voiced the Croods, but I don't think he's had a major release. Here, okay, 
It, anyone does anyone have a guess who won best global actor in a TV series? Uh, John Hamm. Well, obviously it's Matthew Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Perry. Now, mind you, Matthew Perry is currently not an actor in a global TV series. Right. He um, was on West Wing for five minutes. He was on Studio 60 for 10 minutes. He was yeah. on Go On for a half a season, and then it was Friends. Yeah, and that's pretty much but it. But he is the best on the globe, though. Right. Still, he doesn't even need to be a TV actor to be the best TV actor on the globe. <laughs> that's you impressive. Know? I think that's what they're saying That's here. impressive, yeah. Some other notable uh, um, award winners. <laughs> oh, Jesse. Best global singer. This one was easy. Adele. I mean, Adele. Easy. Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, she was on the red carpet with her ch- husband, Chad Kroger, frontman of Nickelback, which I can only imagine was incredibly awkward because it's an obvious snub there. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it was really between one of one of the two was going to win uh, <laughs> was going to win <laughs> best global singer. Yeah. So, you know, there was some tension there. Um, I'm sure you guys know about best uh, emerging global talent. I mean, this is the most talented person that is emerging on the globe. Right. Yeah, Probably I mean, uh, Mario it, Lopez. Yeah, yeah, it's I'll close. Be. It's Boo Boo Stewart, some kid that was in one of the Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> Had a very ancillary role in a Twilight film. <laughs> Did you read how many people will see this this in China? It is an insane amount. 800 million Shut people. Up. It'll reach more than 800. It has the potential on Chinese television to reach more than 800 million people. Oh yeah, this goodness. is a huge deal. This is like three <laughs> Super Bowls combined. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So who votes for this stuff? Yeah, that's I, a good question. I don't know. There is a voting process. It's just like one person just decides who the winners are in these It's somebody with categories. awesome taste. Obviously. <laughs> just spinning Avril records all day. Yeah. Oh, watching know, Nick Cage flicks. They just got into like rewatching Friends on, on DVT. They're like, oh my gosh, I never realized how great Matthew Perry was. You know, Friends was a great show. It, it was a great show. I'm rewatching it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to, to re they, to, to to finally yeah. uh, award Chandler Bing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, by the way, I wonder they were what, on a break. I wonder what David Schwimmer's doing these days. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give him an award. Yeah, he's the next one. There's one in two weeks, and he's <laughs> <Now>. got it. <laughs> so, Eddie, you're looking at the list right now. Are there any others that jump out to you? Well, there was one that actually kind of worked for me. The best global actress in a TV series was Michelle Dockery. She's the woman that played like one of the leads in uh, what, Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. But it's kind of weird that they went like Matthew Perry and yeah. it's, it's like Someone it's just current. completely yeah. random. Yeah. And then like Nicole Kidman won Best Global Actress. Right. Okay. Which, again, I don't think she's done anything recently. I'm try- and I don't even know who some of these people are. I could see this, this one actually makes sense. Global Director and Motion Picture Series. They, they, I guess they're big Tarantino fans out there. Okay. Okay. I can get into uh, that. And then the only one that I didn't see pictures of on the red carpet, and he could have been there. I just haven't seen the pictures. Because all these folks actually went to the red carpet in this event uh, and, and to, to accept their awards. Because like I said, this is, like you said, this is seen by almost a billion <laughs> people. Yeah. A billion people a recognize billion. the credibility of these global awards. What is that, like an eighth of the planet almost watches this? Yeah, an eighth there? of the planet wholeheartedly agrees that Nicolas Cage is the is the best motion <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and the Lifetime Achievement Award and I could see this I mean I, I don't know why he would get it now because I think he's still working yeah you know it seems like you give a Lifetime Achievement Award after they retire some, but Jeremy Irons won that what like, in the world? I like Jeremy Irons. I do too. But I do too but what's he been up to? Yeah. He was like Scar on uh, Lion King and then yeah what else do you need? Yeah that's a great oh, point that's true yeah <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. <laughs> but he can't be that much older than Nick Cage. No. Like, how does one get lifetime achievement and one gets best number one it, super You know, actor? it may seem arbitrary, but like I said, it's a pretty big deal. So well, I think Nick Cage is still like at the peak of his career and Jeremy Irons is kind of on the, a little bit on the decline. So right. maybe it makes sense to recognize Irons now. <laughs> Nick Cage is kind of a bright up and coming. We just yeah, had Nick Cage is still surging towards the pinnacle. The Jeremy Irons fans are going to lash out this week. Yeah, we're going to hear from them. We're going to hear from the Jeremy Irons aficionado magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you subscribe to that too, huh? Such a good magazine. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. All right, Eddie, what do you got, man? Well, uh, yeah, I have a, uh, from the high school sporting world, oh, which good. I know we're all super involved in. Any you guys play sports? <laughs> Uh, do did, now or did? Uh, well, actually, I'll go ahead and ask both. Did you? I they exist. Yeah. Did you play sports in high school? I did not. I was heavily involved in chorus and Boy Scouts. Of course, I did so. play sports. Were you really into Boy Scouts? Yeah, dude. Just okay. be cool. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I was an Eagle Scout. Does that impress you or not at all? I've got. I've I've had an Eagle Scout rant before, and the feedback was not positive. So, <laughs> you, <laughs> but just you leave ranted, it. At that. You ranted negatively on Eagle Scouts. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> just give me a little bit. What was your general premise of why you hate Eagle Scouts and Boy Scouts? I don't hate Eagle Scouts. My thing, <laughs> my thing is Eagle Scouts walk around like they're like the, they were like I knew a dude that, that had like Eagle Scouts license plate. Okay, <laughs> they they walk around like they're like the special forces or something. Like they're like SEAL Team Six. We it's are, like, look, dude, I, I got boys' life growing up. Okay, I know, I know the drill. You're oh. not. At, <laughs> I, let's. We don't. Eddie, I'm just going to offend you if I go further. It's not. It's not. It's not important. My opinion does not matter. Why are you so hurtful? I am an Eagle Scout, and yeah, I'm kind of awesome. So <laughs> own that. <laughs> okay, so we're Chad. What did what sport did you play? In high I played baseball and basketball, God, and a lot cool. of golf. Tyler, anything? Well, I was homeschooled, so I. <laughs> so you and your mom threw the football. I was around. sort of involved in this. <laughs> so Nintendo Power Pad. Sport of the mind. Does <laughs> this track and field the count if you had the Power Pad? Do you, do any of you guys uh, play now? Like, do any of you play like flag football or anything, Jesse? Oh, absolutely! I play. <laughs> Jesse, can no, you I currently do. I play. I, I I do still. I played a little bit of sports in high school, and I still enjoy. Play, I play in like a basketball league and, and a flag football in league. In your flag football league, league have you ever uh, farved it? Going out in jeans? Yeah. I mean, only, only on comeback games. Okay. You know, like when I announce my retirement and come back. Right. Now, let's talk. I, about- I wear a pair of Wranglers and I bring like a golden retriever out to the game. To the, <laughs> I, I show up in a pickup truck. Yeah. Me and a bunch of my friends. Retriever. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you a few questions about your flag football league, Jesse, before okay. I get into Please my slice. Because this is basically my slice. Um, okay. Is going to be interviewing you about flag football. <laughs> Um, did you, uh, is it co-ed? It is co-ed. Interesting. So are you on like a guy and girl team or is it just a bunch of guys on your team? Well, my team is not co-ed. My, my team is just guys. But the league why, is co-ed. Why wouldn't you allow any women on your team? It's not, okay, okay. Here's the thing. It's not about allowing. We just didn't have any, like no girls want to be on our team. Be- they didn't ask us. Okay. Okay. So you ever played, uh, do you ever play against girls? Okay, so what Eddie is referring to? <laughs> Just do it. I love it. There's okay, we were having a, a conversation before the podcast started about sportsmanship. Right. 
because you, you, you're bringing, Eddie's bringing a slice about sportsmanship, and I told him about a conundrum I was in recently. <laughs> yeah, do do tell the whole podcast listening audience, all 800 million of them right now, many of please. which are Eagle I'm really, Scouts. I'm really hesitant because I don't want to sound like a terrible person. Oh no, no, no! You did think... that already with the Eagle Scout thing. You're fine. Okay. So just okay. go for you're it. You're right. You're right. You're right. I can't offend anyone any more than I have. <laughs> so okay. So real quick, here's the situation. We are playing. It is a co-ed league, but it's football. Like I feel like you know, you know, it, it, it's one of those sports. I can't say this without sounding like a jerk. So <laughs> I'm just gonna have to lay it out there. Okay. Most women are probably far superior at most things in life than me. I will, you know, readily admit there. Yeah. Readily admit that. Yeah, that's you great. You know, like almost everything in life. Except. But. On the football field, I feel like it's a little bit different. <laughs> you were matched up against a team that was 100% comprised of, of girls. Okay, so your all-guys team played flag football against an all-women's team. That's correct. And you guys are playing for some sort of, what, a trophy at the end or something? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big, it's actually a pretty big deal, Eddie, so okay. don't make fun of it. I'm not going to minimalize it. So you got, a, you got your big, you got your big so, flag football, okay, so, so Virginia you, Super Bowl. Yeah, so we play, and, and, and if you win, you go to the playoffs. But wow. in the playoffs, like point differential matters, right? So for the playoff seating, how many points you have against your opponents is part of it. Okay. okay. So keep that in mind. Okay, so then how did the game go? Did it just kind of nice, even score? Or did you- well, what happened was, what? I mean, the final score is 51 to 0. <laughs> and, uh, and they were winning, I assume. Right, right. Yeah, it was close. So what ha- But here's, here's the situation. I, we started to, like, I'll be honest. This is, I can't, I'm going to sound t- like a terrible human being. I love but this. But I was like, I was like a Madden video game out there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're on the joystick, juking, you know. It was phenomenal. It's ah, awesome. But at one point in the game, like we got up by so, much, we got up by so much, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying men are superior. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying on the football field, it was an unequal matchup this particular day. Right. And we started feeling, we started taking a knee, like after we, if we intercepted or something. Now that's a hard started, call because I get it because you're trying not to. I yeah. Mean, it's fi- what do you? What it, it's was like the 51 score? Fifty-one to nothing at this point. Was the score fifty-one at the half? It, it, it was it was probably in the low forties at the half. So okay. morale was pretty low on the other side. I mean, you had pretty much demolished no, well, them. There were tears. And yeah. you, you really? No, no. Oh. They were hard, they were arguing <laughs> among themselves. Oh man! Oh. So things are not looking good. And this is like actual. This isn't like some of your friends getting together playing flag football. This no, they're is sitting like, back. They're like referees and stuff. So yeah. you start. Ta- so you start taking a knee, which I I guess makes sense because clearly you've already won. But there's the problem of points matter, right? Yeah, but but we decided. Look, it's okay. You know, enough is enough here. The right. referees came and told us we could not, could no longer take a knee because they said that was unsportsmanlike. Well, interesting. Whoa, 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 whoa! Based on what? Why would that be unsportsmanlike? Yeah, you were trying to do the right thing. What? Yeah, that's that's what we thought too. So I had no choice but to go back in Madden mode. And I was spinning and juking and jiving. And it was just something to behold. <laughs> you were back in your primal state. Just an incredible I was back football. in video game mode. Yeah. You were. Is this the first time, Jesse, you've ever felt like a really great football player? <laughs> I will say, you know, I, I don't want to. Let's just, let's just stop right here because he's just going to make a lot of people angry <laughs> but like i said it's nothing about men you know being better it right i'll, sure. I'll say like i said 
It, it, it just happened to be our team outmatched the other team. It, and it could have been against anyone. That it could you have guys been. could have been all it, over somebody, some other team of all dudes. I mean, it was it was awkward because they had a lot of fans at the game. Oh, and that's what was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I have a lot more questions about this, Jesse, but I'm going to get to my slice because I feel like <laughs> yeah. I've already thrown you. We could talk bus. about this all all after. You know, all. It's, it's it's an ethical debate that I'm willing to have. Well, if it helps, I would have done the same thing, no matter who the team is. I would have felt terrible totally. about demolishing. Probably would have too. Yeah. 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 Okay. So my uh, my uh, slice is about sportsmanship. It seems is that, that uh, and it's out of Kentucky, but this has been a national problem. Um, but uh, it's actually part of Kentucky. I'm flying to tomorrow. Not that anybody cares. But uh, so is this the idea of your slice? Generally, your vacation? Because this is pretty great. <laughs> so anyhow, that's my slice. Yeah, are you <laughs> make, is your it. slice making a case? <laughs> making a case for vacation? Slogan's <laughs> week, folks. Uh, this is, where are we going? Super random. I need to get I past talk this. About Kentucky. Here's the thing. In uh, Kentucky, they have outlawed the well, not outlawed. They have banned the use of uh, there have been fights after the game when you know the two teams line up and they go down the line and do the thing where they shake hands. Yeah, there have been a lot of fights uh, breaking oh. out because of poor sportsmanship, uh, and so the Kentucky Athletic Association has said, you know, we're not doing that anymore. And they've said it's up to the coaches and the principals to take care of this. So if the players want to on their own go up and shake hands, that's fine. But if there's an organized thing and they go and they shake hands and they get in a fight, they're going to start finding the schools. They're going to start finding the coaches. And uh, there was a, a national spokesperson for the National Federation of State High School Associations. And he said, yeah, this is happening all around the country. Uh, and uh, and there's just been a huge problem. And so they're basically stopping this practice. Now, this is a thing that everybody does, right? I mean, this yeah. is almost the point yeah. of the game, especially when you're that age, right? I mean, win or loss at the end of it, you got to go down the line and do a high five and eat, eat some humble pie, right? That's what yeah. I call Begrudgingly it. finish like what you what you did. This is this is the deal, and I just think it's ridiculous. I, I usually don't bite on these kinds of stories, but um, I feel like we're really losing, especially for a fourteen year old, fifteen year old kid that's learning how to you know navigate life. Yeah, uh, I feel like this is a huge loss. So, what did well, your let me, on let, that? let me ask you this: Eddie. Yeah, do, yeah. do you think it's because, like, you know, in high schools, or, or there's a trend of people lacking the 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 self control to have humility, or do you think it's, we, you know, we've put so much, uh, you know, competitive stake into high school, you know, sports and competitiveness in general that it's driven normal, well adjusted. Athletes to to fight someone that they can't even shake hands with. I I get that point, and I get what you're saying, but I still think that even at the end of you know a huge college game, like the those athletes still have the wherewithal to shake hands and high five. I really feel like it's the first um, the the first issue, which is there is some lack of humility. There is some kind of cultural shift where this is not uh, being maybe. Uh, taught at home or being yeah. you know reinforced in other areas and I'm, sure. not, I'm not one of those like all oh, this generation everything's falling apart because everybody does that with no, every generation no, no. but it just does feel like there is no amount of pressure there is no amount of competition there's no amount of all right we got to win this game to get to college and this is the hope of our family and all this kind of stuff none of that negates being able to high five somebody at the end of a game yeah it really bugs me so and i think there's a i think i've talked to jesse maybe a little bit about this but there was a time pretty recently where uh or i mean it's something that i was certainly told growing up where 
you play sports because it develops good character. That's right. sort of the idea. Yeah. You go into it because it makes you it makes you a better person. You learn right. important life lessons. And I don't think that's true anymore. You don't look at sports and think there's a bunch of of fine young people hmm. learning how to be better people. You mostly just see some sort of ugly cutthroat competition and even in the pros with all the steroid stuff going on, it, it seems like it's sort of a sort of a sham of what it maybe used to be. Am I, do I sound like an old, like, no, it doesn't I, no. I sound seven well, years but, old, but does it transcend sports? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. now do you think of, I mean, obviously not any of us personally with our jobs because we're each other's coworkers, but you think it, there are, there are situations where you think of like your profession or different, um, you know, endeavors outside of sports as, basically a competitive race to be to reach some sort of goal and let nothing stand in your way you know does that make sense like is it just something that's happened in our sports culture or that happened in culture in general where it's just gotten really competitive yeah i think yeah and i think it's using the team for your own personal gain there really isn't a sense of we won we lost it's how did i do how are my individual stats and i i do think there is an element of there there isn't that that unifying sense any anymore yeah. and so it would be understandable that a person would have an attitude and bring the whole team down because they're reacting poorly after a game how jesse did uh did the girls line up and shake your hands <laughs> after the game yeah. we, yeah, we all question. congratulate each other on a fine sporting gameplay so. tyler did you and your mom high five <laughs> After after <laughs> after he threw the baseball around after that after you guys played a game of horse out in the backyard, we had a strict hugs only policy. I love you, mom. Hugs, yeah. I love after, you. after your mom would beat you in a game of horse, she would give you a hug. Another A plus in PE. That's my girl. <laughs> the streak continues. And during after a solo on ensemble competition, where I pretty much got a superior for singing Green Sleeves. <laughs> I uh, we did have to go around and congratulate the other folks that did not get superiors Good. in their songs. Let me ask you this: How did your solo uh, uh, go, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> every the, every string performance or orchestra performance was a solo. It was an extended solo. I, I don't want to brag, but four zero through high school, <laughs> it wasn't a subject I couldn't get an A plus in. That I found. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for Slices. Uh, Stay tuned. Coming up next, we have Phil Wickham in studio, live performance. He's a great sport, by the way. of this week's podcast are brought to you by Asbury Seminary. Are you called to plant a church? Prepare to serve with new church planning degrees at Asbury Theological Seminary. For more information, go to asburyseminary.edu. You're listening to Fantagram. The song is The Day You Died. It's from their new EP. Uh, Go check them out. Well, Phil Wickham is a worship artist, and at his core, he is a humble and sincere artist who writes songs and worships God using the medium of music. 
Uh, It's with that brush that he paints images of a loving and creative God across the canvases of listeners' hearts and minds. The evidence of that gift has been apparent on all four of his critically acclaimed efforts, uh, Phil Wickham, Cannons, Heaven and Earth, and Response. His last album, uh, Response, hit number one on the iTunes Christian and Gospel charts. It was number three on the Billboard Top Christian and Gospel Albums chart, hit number four on the Christian SoundScan chart, and peaked in the top 25 on the overall iTunes album chart. Uh, He's kind of a big deal. Uh, He has just released his new album. It's called The Ascension, and it draws Phil's compelling vocals and spiritual sensibilities into a community of music that has always been a passion for him, worship. The Ascension was inspired by the songs of ascent passages in the book of Psalms, songs sung by the Jews when they would ascend to visit the Holy Temple for festivals. Uh, It's a great, great album. Uh, We were really happy to have Phil stop by the studio and uh, perform three songs for us. Here he is now performing carry my soul I want to hear you say well done I want to be welcomed in I want to feel your love like sunshine on my resurrected skin I want to hear the music play I want to hear the trumpet sound I want to hear you call my name and watch my feet lift off the ground so I will If 
I may be so bold to ask you, would you lend your ear to me? That was Phil Wickham. Again, that song was Carry My Soul. It's from his new album, The Ascension. Be sure and check him out at philwickham.com or follow him on Twitter at Phil Wickham. Listening to the kick drums, the song is Atonement, and it's from the new album called Thinking Out Loud. Well, Jeremy Courtney is the founder and executive director of the Preemptive Love Coalition, an international development organization based in Iraq that provides life-saving heart surgeries to Iraqi children and training for local doctors and nurses, creating peace between communities at odds. He has a brand new book out called Preemptive Love, Pursuing Peace One Heart at a Time, And the book invites you to walk along the front lines of the struggle for peace and a firsthand account of Jeremy's team's quest to mend hearts and save lives in the world's most notorious war-torn country. In the heart of conflict, there is only one kind of love big enough to change a nation, a love that strikes first. Eddie had a chance to sit down and talk with Jeremy. Eddie, you talked to him for probably 45, 50 minutes. Um, Give us a uh, couple takeaways from your conversation with him. Well, I mean, I, from the book and then from getting to hear from him and hear his story, I mean, the way that, that, that there was clearly a trajectory for the work that he's doing and for the work that uh, his team is doing, but how it, it, he kind of stumbled upon it. I mm-hmm. mean, God just intersected his story with, with a random person in a cafe, and all of a sudden, it all, it all started to happen. So it was just pretty interesting uh, just to see really how, how God was working and making this happen. Um, I, I think just another... Th- thing that I was I took away from speaking with him is just how incredibly intelligent he is yeah. on this subject because um, you, you know you start to think to yourself how in the world do you tackle um, huge issues like this yeah. and uh, the 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 
the intelligence and the the perspective that he has is it, it's just really inspiring and so it's great to talk to him and his book is just a really beautiful and exciting memoir of what's happening and how this went from just a random happening to yeah. what we're talking about now. That's really cool. You guys talked for a long time. Yeah. We obviously can only play a portion of it mm-hmm. on the podcast this week, but uh, go over to the podcast episode page. You can listen to the full interview oh, cool. uh, that Eddie had with uh, with Jeremy Courtney. So here it is. Uh, here's our portion of our uh, conversation with Jeremy Courtney. Well, dude, tell me about the work um, that you, uh, you and now a whole team of people are doing uh, with uh, the Preemptive Love Coalition. Well, this whole thing began about seven years ago when I was in Iraq working for a different organization altogether, a different uh, kind of agenda that moved me into Iraq in the first place. And I was sitting in a hotel working on my laptop, just the hotel cafe, and the chai guy who had been serving me for weeks, maybe months as I'd been going there, finally got up the nerve to kind of ask me a favor and he told me about his cousin told me about this guy that was about our age and said that he had a little girl who was born with this huge hole in her heart and there wasn't a doctor or a hospital in the whole country that could save her life and asked if I could help when when you get asked okay the, this response the, there had to have been a moment for you where it's like okay this this probably is something I, well, I feel like when anybody gets asked this kind of thing, it can sometimes just get brushed off into the, okay, everybody has a lot of need. I'm not the person to be able to fix this. I'm going to just do the polite brush off where I go like, yeah, I'll look into that versus something that lights up inside of you that says, I'm going to actually help with that. And you have to make that decision in a in a moment, right? Because it's, you're, you're not a doctor, right? You don't know anything about heart surgery, correct? Right. So how in that moment? Do you make the decision, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to get involved with this instead of doing the polite brush off? Because I got to imagine there's a lot of need there, right? You're being, you're getting a lot of requests for help. So how did this request for help light you up? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just another request in a string of similar requests throughout a given day in Iraq. Um, and there's nothing heroic about it. What, what my response was was the blow off. I, I'm sorry, I can't help with this. I don't know anything about this. My organization doesn't help with this. And, and some of that was true. Some of it was sort of superficial, the standard response, kind of a defense mechanism. But some of it was real. Uh, I genuinely didn't know what it would take to send a child outside the country for heart surgery. It sounded complicated. It sounded expensive. It sounded dangerous in some ways. So, so I did blow off. Uh, mm-hmm. But the guy, the chai guy, had it just he was really winsome and, and remarkable. He didn't blast into me. He didn't sulk and walk away. He engaged and, and he fought for his little cousin in a way that, that won me over. He basically said, Well, wait a minute, you you came here to help, right? And and it wasn't an <laughs> accusation. You know, it was it it, it was uh it was disarming. A very you know? concrete statement. I, I, this is yeah. why you're here, right? You help. Yeah, yeah. You came here to help, and and from that moment on, it was like, oh man, well you got me. Yeah. And so he was like, well, why don't you just help us? You you came here to say yes to people. Why don't you say yes to us? He he appealed to my sense of pride. You know, you're you're an American. Like, you moved your family here to help people. So do that for us. And uh, it just helped disarm me. It, it helped convince me that my worst 
effort would still be better than their best effort mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. That that I had more resources, more connections than they possibly had, and for me to try and fail wouldn't hurt their feelings, but for me to not try would would feel like a really great loss to them. Do you think the work that's been done is heroic? Do you think the work that's been done since? everything unfolded with all of the children that have heart, have heart surgery. Is there any point where you look back and you go, actually, this is kind of heroic or does it still not fall into that for you? Well, there've been some amazing moments. There've been some times that we are deeply uh, affected by and, and feel profoundly privileged to have been a part of when we were in Tikrit, Saddam Hussein's hometown on the 10th anniversary of his fall from power and, and we were the first medical group in the world of some 7 billion people, the first people to ever go into Saddam's hometown and actually provide healing and training for, for Saddam's cousins, as it were. That was a profound moment. You know, it was like, how, how in this world of all these people in all this last decade since Saddam was kicked out of power, how is it that that we're the first? That that was remarkable. And, and to be able to walk into that place and serve the people who had the most against us in some ways, to be able to serve them in the name of what we call preemptive love, that was a a very profound experience. I I don't, I'll just say profound. I don't know that heroic doesn't sit well, but but profound (laughs) certainly does. Yeah. So tell me about the the state of, as the story progresses, and again, I, I really want people to dig into uh, this book and devour this book, um, because it talks about the progress from that chance meeting uh, in, in a lobby to another chance meeting in a lobby, which really there's no chance at all with this. It was very clear that there was a trajectory set out before you that you were walking into. Um, but tell us about it now. What does the Preemptive Love Coalition do now? Why do you all exist? Well, it turns out that that, that first Chai guy was right. There wasn't a doctor or a hospital in all of Iraq to save that little girl's life. And so we began early on with the revenues from these shoe sales and with donations, sending kids outside the country for surgery. There were some nearby countries that um, that helped out early on, which is factors in heavily to the narrative of the book. And we did that for a number of years. We exported the problem, basically, so that someone else could fix it in a hospital that was first rate outside the country. And we we spent a lot of money and saved a, a few lives, you know, about 40, 45 lives we were able to save doing it that way. But um, we realized after some time, Iraq is no better off. Now, mind you, we... We had no background in development. We had no background in this this long-running conversation about international aid, charity, development, social entrepreneurship. We we were just trying to respond to one girl, and one thing led to another. And then we find ourselves with hundreds of thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of kids who need help. And we're just trying to figure this out along the way. So, you know, we were literally reading Relevant Magazine, trying to figure out what to do next. We were scouring the internet, reading as much as we could on international development, trying to figure out what the best practice was. And after after trying our best for a couple of years, we realized our model is not right. Um, people like it. People love the fact that they can choose one child and send that one child out to surgery. But it's, it's wrong. It's just not what's in Iraq's best interest. Hmm. It, it serves us well. 
Uh, it makes our organization work well, but it doesn't serve Iraq. And so we put a full stop to everything that we were doing and, and basically reinvented the organization to import solutions rather than export problems. So what, what does that look like now? Yeah, so now it means that uh, since 2010, we decided that the only way forward for Iraq is if the Iraqi doctors and nurses learn how to do these complicated heart surgeries on their own, that if we're really looking at tens of thousands of kids across the country, if something like 10, 11,000 new children every year are being born into Iraq with these life-threatening heart defects, hmm. and Iraq is doing very, very little to be able to uh, heal the ones that were already in existence from years prior, hmm. that we have to help Iraqis after all these decades of dictatorship and war and sanctions have to help them relearn this process of how to do heart surgery. So we bring in medical teams from across the world to be at the operating table with Iraqis, operating on Iraqi kids. Uh, sometimes our doctors are in the lead doing education. Uh, sometimes our doctors are standing behind them as a safety net saying, you can do it, do what you know, get in there, figure it out. I'm here for you if, if you need help. Wow. Um, so increasingly, we're trying to push Iraqi doctors and nurses uh, out so that they do these things on their own. And we create centers of competency across the country that can solve this problem going forward. In what ways can we be most helpful? Um, we, if we read this book, we spend some time on your website, what can we be doing as listeners of this podcast, readers of Relevant Magazine, to, to help with and support what is happening with the Preemptive Love Coalition? Well, the book is really a, a huge next piece for us because we have, we've been doing our work for a while and we've gotten to a point where we haven't been able to make a lot of new headway in the last um, couple of years. And we're hopeful that the book will help stir up a conversation that isn't strictly about our work. The book is not about Iraq. The, work is not, uh, the book is not about the Preemptive Love Coalition. We are, we are actors in the book. We're characters in the book. But the, the book is really about this conversation of what would happen if we loved our enemies. Yeah. And one of the themes of the book is this statement that things are not always what they seem. Hmm. Uh, the people that we trusted the most in Iraq to be our friends are sometimes the people who betrayed us and threatened to burn us to the ground. Yeah. And the people that we early on suspected to be our enemies are the people who often came to our rescue. So I think in... In all of our contexts around the world, obviously you have listeners who are doing this kind of work in various places around the world. Um, th this question, this reminder, things are not always what they seem. This reminder that we are to love our enemies. These are these are themes. These are ideas that we think will have relevance to to people working in all kinds of other spaces. So. It's not a brochure to, to merely draw you into our work. We hope it will be fuel for you all as you go out to do your work, whether that's in the, uh, an urban setting in America or in Uganda or anywhere else in the world. That was Jeremy Courtney. Again, uh, he is the founder and executive director of the Preemptive Love Coalition. His new book, Preemptive Love, Pursuing Peace One Heart at a Time, is out now. Uh, go check them out, preemptivelove.org or jeremycourtney.com. Follow them on Twitter at Preemptive Love or at jcourt.
You're listening to Glasser. The song is Shape, and it's from their new album called Interiors. Well, we mentioned earlier that Phil Wickham stopped by the Relevant Studios. He came by on an incredibly rainy, stormy afternoon day here in Florida. If you've ever been in Florida or lived in Orlando or around this area, you know that we get, in the summertime, we get these crazy afternoon thunderstorms. Um, Phil showed up. It was just crazy outside, and we actually thought we were about to lose power before he showed up. Um, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to record his performance if the power went out. Thankfully, the power stayed on. We filmed the three songs that he performed. We recorded them. You know, I, I love Phil Wickham, and I love his albums, but I will say that my favorite times of watching him play is when it's just him and an acoustic guitar, because you understand uh, just the passion that he sings with. He has just such a phenomenal voice. Uh, he can just do things with his voice that normal human beings should not be able to do. Uh, he is truly, truly gifted. His new album is called The Ascension. It's it's out now. Uh, we're going to play you one more of his live performances uh, that he did here in the Relevant Studio. Without any further introduction, here's Phil Wickham performing the song Mercy. Living upon the world 
was Phil Wickham. Again, that song Mercy is from his new album called The Ascension. It's out now. Go check it out. PhilWickham.com. Follow him on Twitter at Phil Wickham. You're listening to Of Montreal. The song is She Ain't Speaking Now. It's from their new album, Lousy with Sylvie and Briar. Go pick it up, Of Montreal. Catchy. All right, well, it's time for your feedback and corrections and apologies in our question of the week. First, Oops, I... I have one correction, guys. <laughs> oh, this is Lord. On, this is on me. Oh, Lord. Apparently, I pronounced the artist Lord. It's spelled L-O-R-D-E. Right. I pronounced her name Lordy. Yeah. And I was raked over the coals on Twitter. Mm. And I'm really, really sorry. I'd like to apologize to, to the Lord and to Lord <laughs> um, for, for messing this up. I will never, ever refer to Lord as Lordy again. She's that, that Lord girl, I didn't know that until this week. She's, She's 16, 16 years old. Wow. God. What were you guys doing when you were 16? Jesse would destroy her in flag football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah does she play yeah. <laughs> i'll tell you this i would shake her hand though after and say you learned a valuable lesson today lord <laughs> nice nice job lordy <laughs> <laughs> all right it's time for your uh to, for your feedback last week we asked you guys what movie invention you would like to see in real life you went over to the uh, podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com you hit us up on twitter and you went over to our facebook page and you left your responses here are a few of our favorites I really like what Joe said. The child-sized gummy bear in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh. like that, that's see, I love it because that's yes. totally plausible. Totally, like a <laughs> like there's nothing stopping humanity from making that, and it might already exist. I thought it was so funny. I got another one from Chan Crockett. Uh, Chan, uh, it was complete pandering, but it worked, and I thought it was really funny. Chan said, hi, I am 14 years old, which, first of all, in my mind, everybody that's listening to this podcast is... At least know, older than Lord. Yeah, at least older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a peer of Lord. <laughs> Anyhow, but like there was somebody that was like, that tweeted this week, they're like, I'm 15, and I think heart points is weird. You know, I, I, yeah. I forget that they're like... Teenagers. teenagers listening so hello teenage audience um anyhow so he's 14 love your podcast so chan had a couple of ones which the force from star wars which was 
brilliant. Chaos Emeralds from Sonic and he- Sonic the Hedgehog the movie from 1996. Wait, which, there was a Sonic wait, the wait, Hedgehog the movie. Slow down. Stop. Stop. I'm How sorry, did I'm I sorry, miss that? Sorry, sorry. I was burning through. I was burning through Chan's comment too fast. Right, wait, right, Tyler, you're a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, I'm right? A big Sonic fan. I know nothing about this. Yeah, your your avatar for a while was Sonic the Hedgehog. I used to use Sonic as my well, most because of my speed. Um. <laughs> it's from your foot races with your mom. <laughs> from my measurements, I'm one of the fastest humans on earth. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, 1996. What did the Chaos Emeralds do? Does anybody do we have what What was the appeal, dude? I don't even I know. I'm, I'm calling Chan out. I don't believe it. I don't think that's real invention. Chan. And then also legacies from I am number four. Does anybody know what that means? Does anybody know what any part of that means? Nope. That's what it feels like when you do the new albums. It's just like a (laughs) thing I don't know by a person I don't know. It was a movie called I am number four, but I don't know anything about it. Well, Chan would like to have legacies and I don't know what that is. So if it turns out to be super weird and everybody looks it up, please uh, hear me say I don't know blame what I'm talking about. Blame Chan. That's <laughs> from Chan. Blame, <laughs> blame yes, Chan Crockett. But then deep. I would like to end with what Chan said. Please give me a shout out or email me at, and then he put his email there right on the page, which I thought was just like apparently spam is not a thing in Chan's world. And then he said, Eddie, you're hilarious. I love you, Chan. <laughs> You're my best friend, Chan. <laughs> explains that explains why you're reading this, even though you have no idea what any of the things he nope, mentioned. Nope, nope, nope. He pandered, and it worked. And he's 14, and I no, think no, it's no. fantastic. Chan, what Chan did that we should all learn from is he did some research. Right. He went out there. He found things that he actually wanted in his life. Doesn't matter that they don't have a lot of mainstream appeal. Yeah. And then he put down his email so that we could all email him about so it. We can we can follow up. Yeah, I think we should. I'm curious about these. Uh, I am a little curious about it now. I'm going yeah. to email Chan right now. I found it a little weird that two people, Ruben and, and Matt, both mentioned uh, devices that do the same thing. One of them was the Men in Black neutralizer pen that erases like memories. And the other one uh, was the Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah. memory eraser. Yeah. What does it say about it us that, that we, we want that technology? Yeah, so it you goes know, back to our, it goes back to the conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago about erasing our online presence. You know how yeah. they're they're trying to do out in California with with uh, teenagers and stuff. Um, yeah, it, that does kind of say something a little negative about us as humanity. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. we're I, just we just want to do stuff and get away with it, and then be able to erase it. That's my biggest fear is actually losing memory. Like when I think about getting old and things uh-huh. I'm afraid of, it's I'm, like the biggest thing I'm afraid of is forgetting everything. Yeah, it's like that's all you have. Yeah. Wow. It's like, yeah, all you have is your intense memory. All Tyler has is his speed to beat his mom in a foot race. <laughs> what happened when we lose all, our power? All you have is a memory of beating a bunch of young ladies, <laughs> 52 to zero. And all I have is singing green sleeves. <laughs> it is, is the Eagle Scout handbook. <laughs> any knot. You name any knot and I'll tie it. Do it. Bowling, done. Clove hitch, done. What, do you, what else do you need? <laughs> 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 all right well that's going to do it for uh for last week's feedback thanks for your responses if you'd like to join in the conversation and read some of the others uh be sure to go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com or uh, you can pipe into the conversation over at facebook uh, a few people left some responses there too so thanks for your thanks for your feedback all right 
Now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, well, earlier in the podcast, we told you about a phenomenal new movie that's coming out this Friday, October 18th. No, I'm not talking about the early Oscar contender, 12 Years a Slave. Oh, no, that's (laughs) boring. (laughs) I'm talking about Escape Plan with Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, Jim Jim Caviezel, of course. the, The details of the plot, which are... Very unclear. At this Very point. unclear, which is where you come in, which is where our question of the week falls this week. We want you to tell us, we're going to go Twitter style here, in 140 characters or less, what is the plot of Escape Plan with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Now, I don't want to say you, you can't play if you've seen the movie. Right. I would love to hear the actual plot in 140 characters, too. So if you've seen it, go for it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because I have a feeling it could be just as funny as... as and remember, I, Jim Caviezel is in this, so there's just a lot of avenues to take. This yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I'm sure he has a, a, a secondary role, of course, but he is in this film. It seems like this is why Twitter was invented. 140 characters or less. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of space to tell somebody something. Right. What's the plot of Escape Plan? Right. Easy. 140 characters or less. If you, yeah. can't, if you can't explain your escape plan in 140 characters, yeah. you need your new escape plan. That's yeah. right. Because you've got to escape at some point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because it's not a very good plan. Here's the, cool thing. Here's the cool thing. Our favorite plot, we're going to send you a book. Uh, we're going to send you Jeremy Courtney's book. Oh, good. Uh, oh, that's called cool. Preemptive Love, Pursuing Peace One Heart at a Time, because we're assuming there's no peace in Escape Plan whatsoever. Because <laughs> yeah. if you thought of the best plot, you need to read about peace. And, our, <laughs> and as a secondary gift, our least favorite one will probably goof on for a while. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, so enjoy that. Uh, so go over to uh, go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, go over to our Facebook page. And of course, the obvious way to give us feedback this week is to hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Uh, if you don't follow us over there, be sure and do it. We uh, we post really great videos all the time of you know things like a bearded lady driving a Walmart cart around in the middle of the night. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, who looks sur- surprisingly like Jesse Carey. It's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> Jessica, but, uh, real. Jessica Carey. I, I had, like I said, I had no idea the cameras were rolling then. I, we were one of the guys wanted a late night subway run. And of course, this Walmart was equipped with the subway. Yeah. And a few minutes to kill, and yeah. one thing leads well, to another. Yada, yada, yada. yada. Yeah. It's the only thing I post. For yada, 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 and being forcibly removed from another wall. <laughs> <laughs> so hit us up on Twitter, uh, at Relevant Podcast. Let us know your 140 character or less plot line for Escape Plan with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Uh, we are anxiously awaiting your responses. We can't wait to read our favorites on next week's show. And our ultimate favorite, we will send you a copy of Jeremy Courtney's new book called Preemptive Love, Pursuing Peace One Heart at a Time. Do we all have to decide on this together? We are going to have to decide on this together. Okay, but there's four of us. Well, who's it's going to come down to a foot race. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I don't want to brag, but I will... I have lose. I have <laughs> destroyed my mom in a foot race ten times. We'll finally see how good of a gauge Kyle's mom is for foot. I, I got an A plus in every foot race I ever participated in. Pretty sure next week's will be the same. Oh man! All right. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up this week's show. Many thanks to Jeremy Courtney for talking to Eddie. Yeah. Uh, man, what a phenomenal dude he is! What a great book, uh, Preemptive Love: Pursuing Peace One Heart at a Time. You can learn more at preemptivelove.org. Follow them on twitter at preemptive love uh or you can connect with jeremy courtney 
at jeremycourtney.com or follow him on Twitter at jcourt. And thanks to Phil Wickham for stopping by and uh, playing a few songs off of his new album for us. Again, the new album is called The Ascension. It's out now. It's it's really, really good stuff. Uh, you can find out more about him at philwickham.com or follow him on Twitter at philwickham. Guys, we filmed the three performances uh, that he did here in our studio. Oh. We are going to show you one of them on the podcast episode page this week, and then other ones will be rolling out on the all-new Relevant TV coming out this fall. Stay tuned. We'll be talking about that so a little fun. bit more uh, on a future episode. But uh, but definitely, you'll want to watch Phil Wickham's intimate acoustic performance from the Relevant Studios. So thanks to him. Big fans. Check him out. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up this week's show. I'm Chad Michael Snavely. I am hilarious, according to Chan Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tyler Huckabee. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. From donated clothes to caps and gowns It's a little shout to my black and brown Folks that know the game, not in class to clown Had the funny accent, well, look who's laughing now See Samir came here to brunt And he slaved that every minimum wage job But he saved that, brought his sister on scholarship To make stacks, working as a surgeon She bought a whip and paid cash No time to whine, we just face facts Let's fit six in the back and let's take that To the best restaurants, make reservations Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out RelevantMagazine.com. What are you wearing, hotshot?